We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, a special episode today. I'm joined by Derek Albin of Views from 314 Feet, of course, the short porch down the right field line, 314. They've got an awesome website where they uh, posting daily blog content. I suggest you go check them out. And one of the articles that piqued my interest was Derek's about DJ LeMahieu. So that's what he's here to talk about. What's up, Derek? Thanks for joining me. Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, let's let's talk some DJ LeMahieu. It hasn't been such a great great year for him, unfortunately. Got to ask you a question first, though. Mm-hmm. Were you... Because I think there was this... I don't want to call it a large contingent because it's always the vocal minority, especially on Twitter. But where did you stand on how good of a player DJ LeMahieu was based on his last two seasons, which were obviously off the charts good for him, but really for anybody as well? Where were you prior to this season on on DJ? Yeah, I thought he was probably the arguably the best second baseman in the league. I mean, I didn't see any reason to think that what we're seeing this year would happen. Like it had been basically two years of elite production. It's not like he had never had great years in Colorado. I mean, he had some up and down seasons with them, but 
it seemed like he just leveled up to a to a new level with the Yankees. And I didn't I just thought he was one of the best second basemen, if not the best, uh, in the league after seeing him through twenty twenty. Oh, certainly. I mean, he was he got MVP votes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they were warranted MVP votes. And and um, he won the batting title. Even if it was a short season, it was a batting title. And this year, when you look, he's got a 98 WRC plus as of we're recording this before Wednesday's game. So if he hits four home runs, that'll obviously go up quite a bit. But unfortunately, I like, I'm, you know, you look at his, his Fangraphs page and 98 WRC plus, that's basically what he did his last two seasons in Colorado. And then he turns into the MVP candidate in 19 and 20. Maybe it was some juiced ball. Maybe it was who, who the hell knows what it was, just a different approach or, or whatever it was. But I think uh, one of the reasons people fell in love with him is not just because he was putting up MVP caliber numbers, it's because he was like a different type of hitter than the Yankees lineup was filled with. And I think that's one thing that they've been lacking from him this year is that consistency of... Um, of line drives across the field, getting on base at the leadoff spot, hitting with runners in scoring position. I understand those things are not really um, liked by the analytics community, but those were things that he excelled at the last two years. And I think one of the reasons why universally he was loved by Yankees fans. Yeah, totally. I mean, he's the guy that you'd want up in a big spot. Like, you know, he's not going to strike out and it's very rare that he does. Um, he's always putting the ball in play and you're right. He's totally different than most of the rest of the lineup. And like this year, he's not the guy you want up in a big spot because he's hitting into double plays. He's just having poor at bats going after bad pitches or when he does get a good pitch, he's just not doing anything with it. Um, I mean, his power is way down. Not that he was ever a big power hitter, but like it's basically singles or nothing this year. It's been just an all around frustrating year and and i mentioned it in the article that i wrote too um you know he's had this triceps injury that boone mentioned a couple days ago that cost him like a game or two i think he might have pinch hit in one of those games actually but the miami games yeah i can't help but wonder if there's just something nagging him this year that maybe just hasn't been disclosed um you know always in like the postseason press conferences that Boone or, or Cashman do, they always, you know, fill you in on whatever's been hampering a certain player throughout the season. And I have a feeling we're going to hear something about LeMahieu because like, okay, he's not the guy who's going to hit 360 like he did last year, but I didn't think he'd fall off this much. You know, like there's, there's gotta be something else going on here. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. Yeah. You don't go from a one, I think when you averaged, when it was the two years combined, it was like a 140 WRC plus. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Exactly. You don't go, you don't go from that to slightly below league average. You don't just forget how to hit overnight. There's, there's declines for age and stuff like that. And the, the, the baseball, I think probably also will, will sap some of his power. Yeah. But I was looking at a hard hit percentage. I don't know if you took a look at this, but, um, 2019, his hard hit percentage, uh, according to Fangraphs, was 40%. Then it was 34, 35% in 2020, and now it's 27% this year. So is that just, like you said, maybe a nagging injury, slight mechanical thing? Or like you don't just over one offseason not be able to hit the ball hard anymore. Yeah, and the weird thing is, what I noticed is there's just these pitches down the middle that he's just not doing damage on that he should be. 
Um, I cherry picked some videos in my posts and I'm sure they're definitely better ones that you can find on pitches down the middle that he's doing damage on. But if you just look at his Woba on those pitches, like it's not good compared to prior years. He's, he's getting lots of fastballs to hit and he's just not doing damage. It, it could be part injury. Like we just talked about. And as you just hinted at too, there might be something mechanical. I mean, he just seems like he's just not getting around on fastballs and he's late or he's off balance on these pitches that he should be crushing. And it's, it's, it's funny, but I mean, it's not funny at the same time, but like, it feels like a lot of Yankees. Yeah. It's a lot of Yankees that are, have the same issue this year. Like the down the middle pitches are just not getting hit the way they should be. And it's not just Le Mayhew, although he's been like the emblematic of it this year. Right. It's, it's up and down the lineup. Like you said, I, I, I don't know. I'm not not smart enough to figure out what's what's going on with that. Like, how does an entire lineup all of a sudden just not be able to hit fastballs anymore? I wish I had an answer too. Uh, it just doesn't make sense. It, it really doesn't. I mean, the, that and the double plays. It's just like inexplicable. You you know, every time you think, okay, you know, the first couple of months of the season, I just thought, all right, this is just like extreme bad luck. It's going to turn around. Like, there's just no way this can continue. And now we're in early August. And I mean, Gallo and Rizzo are breathing some life into this lineup, but they're still, you know, between LeMayhew and Glaber and, and Stanton's peaks and valleys. Like, it's just, it's been a lot of things to, to go wrong uh, with just not hitting pitches that they should be, period. Yeah, and the double plays out of LeMahieu, I think, are uh, especially magnified because, like you said, he had been so good with runners in scoring position. 2019 and 20, he had a 990 OPS with runners in scoring position, and this year it's 647. I mean, that's just like, yeah, it's a completely different person. It's a completely different player. Um, and even if you want to say that r- runners in scoring position is is fluky and it is not indicative of of really anything, okay, fine. Like then. Uh, you don't go from 990 to 647. Like, that's just not the same hitter. Yeah. I think there's probably a case, and I don't have it in front of me, a, a case that you could argue that he's been unlucky maybe in those situations. I don't know if his, like, BABIP is really low, something like that, but that kind of drop just doesn't, it doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. Not not for him. And, like, he's a guy who puts the ball in place so much, and I know his strikeout rate is up a little bit this year, but it's still well below average. Like, he should be finding more holes period. Like he should be getting more, more hits in those situations. He's putting the ball in play. Um, but like he pointed out too, his hard hit rate is down, which is another issue, which is, yeah, he's always going to hit. He always hit a lot of ground balls. His ground ball percentage did. this year is not any different than it was the last two years. I don't think, uh, it might be a couple percent percentage points higher, but it's not like you can say, Oh, he's hitting 10% more ground balls. That's why he's doing this. No, yeah. it's, he didn't really ever elevate the ball, but he hit he hit the ball hard the last two years. Yeah. So the ground balls he was hitting were finding holes. And the beautiful thing about him was they didn't shift because yep. he went he went to right field. Well, now if you're hitting the ball 10% less uh, hard, or you're hitting the ball hard 10% uh, less often, those ground balls are going to get fielded much more easily. Right. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh he just has to start hits. It sounds easy, but he just has to start hitting the ball harder <laughs> and, and, and hitting well, these if pitches everyone, down the If it was that easy, Derek, everyone, just, oh, yeah. I got to, I got to hit home runs. So why didn't I think of that? Yeah. I, I, I just don't know what, you know, to really do with him at this point. I kind of think they That's probably the should, should drop him in the lineup. 
Um, I just don't know if Boone has the the guts to do that at this point. You know, this has been his leadoff hitter for the past, you know, two years, two, three years, basically. Um, and he, like we've been saying, there's no reason to think his true talent has dropped off so suddenly. Like, theoretically, it should get started. He should pick it right back up. But he's not. And personally, I would try to drop him lower in the lineup. I kind of think one of my thoughts is that, you know, with considering the differences in type of hitters you have in this lineup, where a lot of guys strike out, and then there's LeMahieu and even Rizzo who don't strike out often, I'd be curious to put them into middle of the order spots, RBI spots, where, you know, Gallo, Judge, Stanton, they might strike out a lot, but they're getting on base a ton. And if you put them in front of Rizzo and LeMahieu, I, I wonder if that just gives LeMahieu more opportunities with guys on base to see better pitches and maybe just snap him out of this thing. Uh, I don't know if batting him like fifth is a great idea, but maybe like sixth, seventh, somewhere a little bit further down. It's it's funny that uh, you bring up putting him more in the middle of the order because he does put bat on ball. My co-host Scott and I talked about this at the beginning of the season. You remember when Aaron Hicks was in the three spot? Yep. And, mm-hmm. and we just absolutely hated that. It's like, you know, love him or hate Aaron Hicks, the one thing he does do is walk and he gets on base. So why he doesn't make enough contact to hit third. Hit him first, maybe hit LeMahieu third. This was also this was before we knew LeMahieu was gonna struggle this season. But the the concept was put a bat on ball guy in the middle of the lineup where the hits will translate to runs rather than just a leadoff exactly. single, a leadoff single followed by whatever whatever may happen. So so you're thinking sixth or seventh for LeMahieu. I mean, the lineup is a lot more fun to play around with now that they have Gallo and Rizzo. Totally is. I mean, I I would not be opposed to like leading off Gallo and batting Judge behind him. I think that would be pretty fun to watch. I mean, you're you're putting the opposing pitcher like you're throwing him in the gauntlet right from the start of the game, uh, and you're giving Gallo and Judge the most at bats uh, in the game as well. And they're the two guys who are going to get on base the most for this team. Uh, you know, I think traditionally those guys are looked at as RBI guys, but. Uh, really, they're probably best positioned to be at the top of the order. You might even want to... Now, in second thought, now that I think about it, maybe I would bat Judge leadoff and Rizzo sec- uh, and Gallo second because Judge has a double play issue this year himself, and Gallo hits until like the fewest double... One of the fewest double plays uh, in the league over the past few years. Well, he he's a launch angle guy, and he actually runs pretty well. He does. Yeah, he does. We haven't quite seen him uh, really get going yet, uh, but I'm... Looking forward to his first few uh, porch jobs. I'm sure they're coming soon. What's yeah? I, I loved over the weekend in Miami. People were like actually justifying his fly balls to right field. Like, oh, those would have been home runs at Yankee Stadium. It's <laughs> like, thanks, guys. Like, yeah, <laughs> like that. Uh, that does a lot of good for us here mm-hmm. as they're playing in Miami. Like it's mm-hmm. the case everywhere. But yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I yeah, I think that's an interesting lineup construction. So after after that, what would you go, Giancarlo three? Um, you could go Giancarlo. Yeah, probably Giancarlo. Th- well, I don't, I also don't love batting. Well, if you're on Judge, Gallo, Giancarlo, Rizzo, then maybe fifth, you could go with LeMahieu at this point Le- or yeah, Gary. You go LeMahieu or Gary. Um, Voigt's coming back soon. You can put him in the DH spot as long as stands in the outfield. I mean, there are definitely different ways you can go with this. I just, I just think, you know, this lineup has 
mostly been the same up until the deadline, of course, and just things aren't changing. And even since the deadline, I know it's been a handful of games. It feels like Rizzo is the only guy, and barring last night's outburst, Rizzo's really the only guy who's been hitting. And I just feel like you need to mix things up a little bit. Just try something else, see what, see what might work. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. There's different opinions on how much mixing up a lineup actually can affect things. But I think when you have a guy leading off who's struggling, and you're right, he's hitting, what is he hitting, 270, but he's basically all a singles hitter this year, LeMahieu is, um, that mixing it up for him might might be a catalyst to jumpstart his season. And and I think you included uh, his um, expected weighted on base chart uh, in the article, or I think I saw it on Twitter, but it kind of looked like for a moment he was turning things around. And it then... Did. It, then it's just like plummeted again. Maybe that's the injury that you brought up. Uh, but that 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 was interesting to see because, you know, it didn't feel like that, honestly, watching his season. I didn't ever think, oh, here comes LeMahieu. He's about to go on a tear. Same. No, I never really felt like that either. Um, it just hasn't... It, it, maybe he, he probably had like a higher batting average during that stretch. But again, it wasn't major damage. It was a lot of singles. Um, his... It's it's just not been the type of guy you want at the top of the order. Uh, and it's interesting because I think even Michael Kay mentioned it on uh, the broadcast in one of these two games because Hicks was in the dugout just talking about how much they missed him. 
uh, and that type of high OBP guy they could have near the top of the order. Um, and look, LeMahe was still drawing a pretty good amount of walks. Is on base is over 340, but they have better options right now. And uh, like you mentioned too, there are a lot of theories about Ross lineup construction. And I think the old school analytic, or not the old school analytic, but like Saber 2.0 or whatever you want to call it, kind of said lineups don't matter. Like it, over the course of a full season, it doesn't matter what order you put guys in. But all right, that's all. That's fair game. I, I understand that, but we're also a hundred plus games in now, and this offense just isn't going. Like you might as well try something else. Yeah, it's um. That's always something that frustrates me is the balance between the okay, what's the sample size going to tell us over 162 games versus what are my eyeballs telling me right now and watching this team struggling because you're right maybe i think the i think i read about that um lineup construction article that it only translates to a few runs over the course of 162 games which really is not significant but but like you just like you like you've been saying this lineup is second to last in the american league in runs <laughs> this lineup was constructed to be the most uh damaging offensive lineup in baseball and they're second to the last in the league like something needs to change here. Yeah, no, totally. And and look, maybe we're we're getting too granular thinking about the lineup because at the same time, you know, the opportunities are going to still find Lemayhew and like Glaber, uh, and they're still going to have to figure out how to hit because uh, neither of them are hitting. Glaber's a whole other conundrum. Yeah, I, I, it's a mystery with him. How do you go from an all star? which he was in 19 and uh, almost rookie of the year in 2018 to just crap. He's just been crap for a season and a half. He's been dreadful. There's, there's no if fans or buts about it. Like his power is gone. Um, and that's the big thing for him. He's always been a pretty aggressive hitter and without the power, he's just not the the same guy because he's not like a huge on base guy. Um, and the funny thing is that, you know, he's never been like a stat cast guy. He's never had huge exit velocities. And it makes you wonder how much did that rocket ball in 2019 like really help him? Uh, I, I can't imagine it would explain everything between what we've seen from him this year and 2019. It's just not possible. It's definitely a contributing factor, but the regression from like being a budding superstar two years ago as a 22 year old to like a pretty bad shortstop. Two years later is hard to fathom. Like he's playing himself, not I don't want to say off the team, but he might lose his shortstop job next year to one of these free agents. Uh, I mean, uh, it's very yeah. possible. When you think about how the, they're going to construct the infield long term, you obviously they signed Lemayhew for six years, and so he's got a spot. Whether you want to give him a, the the starting second base job or have him be the rotating guy around the infield. At uh, first, second, and third, fine. You still have to find a home for Glaber long term, and I don't think it's shortstop. It can't be. His defense just does not does not cut it at all. Um, if he's not going to hit, he has to play good defense. You could tolerate his defense if he was hitting, but the fact that he's doing neither is just you're you're you can't put him there. It's actually one of the things I was hoping the Yankees would do at the deadline is get another infielder just for depth, not not to replace Glaber uh, in the lineup every day, but someone like a Freddie Galvis or, or Jose Iglesias just to 
be a late game defensive replacement for him. That's uh, not Tyler Wade. That's not Tyler Wade either. Ideally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, right, because especially, I mean, that was the thing that I was crushing Cashman for at the beginning of the season is that they had to do some roster juggling in in May because they didn't have a backup infielder. And it's just like, how do you leave spring training without a backup middle infielder? Right. Yeah, they were willing to option Wade to the minors and have Geo as the emergency shortstop. And I'm sure Geo is fine there, but it would be nice to have planned it out a little bit better. You know, they've had a couple of years now to shore up the middle infield depth this you know since they let Didi walk and they've been content with Tower Wade as the backup shortstop and he's one of the worst hitters in baseball. Like he's just not playable. But again, it would be okay if Glaber Torres was maybe not 38 home run Glaber Torres, but sure. 20, 24, 25 home run Glaber Torres. Like if you want to say the Super Bowl took him from 25 to 38 home runs, I'd buy that, but not from 38 home runs down to seven. Yeah, it's it's interesting with him because I thought there was a point this year when he was turning it around. And I think... Was that right before he uh, was on the COVID list or right yeah. after the COVID list? Yeah, I think it was around that time. Um, was that the Houston series, I think? Um, no, he had a big white. He had a big White Sox series. I think he had like seven or eight hits in the three game series yeah. against the White Sox. But yeah, I mean, there was a time when he he had a pretty good stretch of solid hitting, and I think he went through an 0 15, 0 for fifteen this past week. And I know he had a couple hits uh, in the past few nights, which hopefully is a sign of some better things to come. But for the most part, I I don't get what's up with him at all. Like he. He had a long stretch of the season where his on-base percentage was higher than his slugging percentage. And that's like not something <laughs> you ever want to see. <laughs> it's, it's Yeah, it's crazy from, from again, a guy who had 38 home runs. So do you think the, the additions that they made at the deadline are enough to get him into the playoffs? I think so. Yeah, I, I think they are a game and a half out behind Oakland right now for that second spot. And to be honest with you, like I gave up on the division. Um, after the Red Sox, last yeah. Red Sox series, I think a few I times, the and then yeah. I looked, I looked at the standings last night, and they're only five out in the loss column. Like it's still a, yeah. it's still a big climb, but I'm not gonna totally punt that just yet. Uh, they, but they have to start playing better. They, they do. have to. Like, they do. The Red Sox, uh, the Red Sox have lost five in a row. Okay, so that's why it's now close. But the Red Sox have the tiebreaker against them, so let's call it six out in the loss column. Mm, yeah. It's true. The Yankees need to play six games better than the Red Sox the rest of the way. I'm not confident they can do that because I just we haven't seen consistency out of this team. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing, though, I think the Yankees have six games against the Red Sox left still. Okay, so, so they got to sweep the six. They have, they have to play well in those games, obviously. They have <laughs> yeah. to. Like, you can't have what happened at Fenway Park just recently, That the three or four that they dropped. And that was, I mean, the, all the games they've played against the Red Sox have just been killer basically this year. I think they have six against Boston and three against Tampa Bay left. And that's not a ton when you really think about it. You wish you had more against Tampa Bay almost because they're better than Boston, in my opinion. Uh, I think Boston's been playing over their head all year, even though they've embarrassed the Yankees on multiple occasions this season. Uh, It's going to be harder. I I feel actually fairly confident they can beat out Boston. It's Tampa that's going to be tougher for me. The the three against, I mean, the Yankees have played better against Tampa the last two series. I think they won both of those series. Uh, and then 
it just kind of sucks. This has happened a, a number of times this season. They win a series, but it's the last game that feels like they lost the series because <laughs> obviously the, yeah. The, well, but the the Houston loss before the All Star game, the Garrett Cole getting absolutely crushed going for a sweep in Tampa. It's like you can't just lose three to two guys. You got to get embarrassed in the last game to make yeah. it just sort of feel extra shitty. So I know it's not the standings say they won th- two out of three, but. It's that feeling that I I don't feel good whenever I see Tampa or Boston on the schedule, especially when they're playing at the Trop. When it's Tampa, I don't know. I don't remember if it's if that last. Well, I think their series against Tampa is actually the last series of the season. I don't know if it's at in the Bronx or not. Um, they just played in Tampa, so yeah. Usually they flip flop those, right? But. That's what you would think. Yeah. Um, yeah, look, I the division it, it is still a long shot. I'm not totally ready to give up hope, but I think the wild card is is very much attainable. I don't see why they can't um, get into that second spot. I mean, they're playing Seattle next, um, and, and Seattle, they have a four game series against Oakland. I think later this month, right? And I mean, they, they on paper. I know we say that a lot about the Yankees being better than everyone on paper. Uh, they should beat those teams. It's just a matter of, is the bullpen going to have one of their patented meltdowns or is just something weird going to happen that costs them a game because it's 2021? It just feels like that's what keeps happening to them. The four games are in Oakland, and I don't know I don't know about you, but I never feel good playing in, when the Yankees are playing in Oakland. Yeah, why not? I think it's, first of all, I'm always just really bitter about having to be up late. And, oh. <laughs> and and then it's just like this, this it just feel like everything is dark in that ballpark and mm. I know they've had great moments especially in the playoffs against Oakland but just like I don't know maybe it's like the mid 2000s trips out out west where the Yankees just felt like they always just got their ass kicked by Oakland mm. I could I'm probably wrong as far as like what actually happened it's just it's just a feeling thing I don't know gotcha yeah for me I mean I have obviously good playoff memories burned in my head but also i always think of that marco scudero walk off against rivera uh i don't i don't know what year that was but that was one of rivera's last years wasn't it i really have no idea i just remember i think it hit the foul pole and it was just like marco scudero of all people (laughs) like come on uh i I mean i oakland is always a good team i just i don't really worry about playing them wherever they are uh it's more for me Whenever they're playing at Tropicana is just dreadful for me. I hate watching games at that park. Something weird always happens. Um, that that's the team that I don't like playing on the road. Oakland doesn't worry me uh, too much. I think they should beat them. All right. So wrapping it up here on Lemayhu um, again, guys. I, I definitely recommend going to check out the article. the The fastball issue is what you're isolating this as his major problem is he has not hit fastballs and he's not hitting fastballs in the middle of the plate. Right. And I mean, those are the pitches you need to do the most damage against. And he's not, I, 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 it's inexplicable. I mean, you get a fastball down the middle and okay. Yeah. You're going to miss them. Sometimes you're not always going to crush them, but his numbers, whether you look at the analytics, the stat cast with the Woba versus X Woba, things like that. Um, or just look at regular batting average against those fastballs down the middle. He's just not doing anywhere near the damage he used to do against them on those pitches. I mean, it's not even remotely close. His ex-Woba and Woba are both down basically 100 points on on fastballs yeah. in that region. I mean, it's 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 hard to fathom, and uh, 
he can't really turn around until he starts hitting those pitches because LeMahieu sees fastballs like two-thirds of the time. That's what pitchers are throwing in most of the time. They're, he gets challenged a lot. Some of that is a product of probably hitting in front of Judge at the top of the order. Um, but he has to do damage on those pitches, period. End of story. Is the amount that he sees fastballs up this year versus the last couple of years? No, it's pretty flat. It's pretty flat. So uh, I was just wondering if if pitchers are recognizing that he's not hitting the fastballs and they're attacking him more, but it doesn't sound like that. No, it doesn't. I mean, you know, it, it almost makes sense to be aggressive against a guy like Mayhew because he does hit so many ground balls, even in his past couple of years when he was getting the great results. You know, you figure a guy who hits the ground ball 55% of the time, like how much damage can he really do? Um, and this year, finally, it just seems to be working against LeMayhew for for that reason, for all the ground balls he's hitting, I guess, right at players and then just not doing damage on those pitches down the middle. So, all right, 1 to 10, what's your concern level on this six-year contract? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I am at probably a seven right now. I'm definitely pretty concerned about it. This is yeah. alarming for sure. Because... I was I was figuring we're going to get at least 85% of what we saw the last couple of years for, say, two to three seasons. And then mm-hmm. whatever happens after that, hopefully the teams won a championship by then, and then you just eat the back end. It's really not that much money on a yearly basis. But damn, if he's doing this in year one, that, that's going to be a long six years. Yeah, it, it is. It definitely is. I'm, I'm holding out hope that it is something that we just aren't aware of with his health. And I would feel a lot better about him in this slump, in this slump. Um, but if not, yeah, he's in a lot of trouble going forward if he can't kind of turn this thing around on, on on these very hittable pitches. What would you like to see the team do with the infield? Do you think it's a bigger issue that they find a permanent first baseman or a permanent shortstop other than Glaber for for say the twenty twenty two and the next three years? For me, it's shortstop. Um, I, I want a good defender out there. Uh, that's just something I personally prefer. I like good up-the-middle defense, and even if that means keeping Glaber, I think he could be a very good to average second baseman defensively and hopefully turn his offense around. Um, I just think shortstop defense is really valuable, and if we're going to assume that strikeouts are going to decline in future years now that they're cracking down on the sticky stuff and all of a sudden the Yankees seem to love stinker ballers like Clay Holmes and, and Joel yeah. Rodriguez and all these guys like you need a better infield defense yeah. and if that means that LeMahieu becomes like a roving type of infielder who's just kind of what they signed him for in the first place for the 2019 season then so be it yeah. so for me it's shortstop they can get away with that I just because everyone's now on the Anthony Rizzo train because of four games so fine whatever yeah I don't I don't know if they're gonna what their plans are for him after this season, but Luke Voigt's another another issue where when he's playing, he's great, but he, he seems to be injured every year. He does. Yeah. I I do like Rizzo quite a bit. Um I would like to see how he finishes off, you know, this half season with the Yankees. Uh to me, I am right now kind of on the resign Rizzo train just because I like that he's lefty power and he doesn't strike out that much. Yeah. 15% strikeout rate. Yeah. And he's a very good defender at first too. And 
unlike Voight, he does stay on the field. So, yeah. you know, I'm not, I'm not dying to give him a long-term contract because I think he is 31 or 32 at this point. But he'll I think be he's, 32 next month. Yeah, so that's only like a year or and a half older than Voight. I think. Um, yeah, Voight, Voight's an old. He's got team. Con, he, yeah. He's got team control. That's his value. Right. Problem is, it doesn't sound like anybody really wants him uh, via trade. Who's gonna Who's gonna trade for an injury-prone first baseman? Yeah, like, just. It's not going to happen. That's why uh, hopefully he gets back and 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 just has a nice little run in this last two months. But uh, he had a home run the other day or last night in Scranton, I think, in his rehab. Great. He has more home runs in, on rehab than he does in the regular season for the Yankees, <laughs> which is kind of funny. Um, Great. Call him up. He's ready. He should be ready, right? I mean, he, there's no reason to be holding him down much longer. Um, yep. Get him in that DH spot. Let Stanton play the outfield a little bit more. Um, and just see what happens. I mean, this lineup one through nine should be the best in baseball. It just hasn't been for over a hundred games now. And none of us seem to really understand what the hell is going on. Yeah. All right, Derek. Well, I appreciate you joining me talking about LeMahieu again, guys, go check out the article. It was a, a good in-depth look at him. Thanks for your time. No problem. Thanks for having me. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx pinstripe show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.